Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Lynn Wilder. And I'm Joel Grote. And once again, we have guests in studio with us. It's always fun. Today we've got Randy. I like to hear these stories. Yes. Yeah. Randy's generational. I am. I am. So, yeah. Um, I can uh, start and just give a brief overview of, of my history in the Mormon church and yeah. um, kind of what even started because it didn't start at once. Um, so just a background, my, my parents, um, their parents all go back to the founding members of the church, both sides of the family. Mm. My parents born and raised in Utah. Um, they had never left Utah until my father joined the military as an officer. And I was probably one or two years old. When, okay. when we finally left Utah. So I, I never grew up in Utah, not, not with any memories. Um, but everywhere we moved, we always found whatever Mormon church ward, uh, smaller big was set up, and we were very, very, very devout Mormons. So <clears throat> we did all the traditional things, family home evening, went to church every Sunday, and then we had youth uh, activities and even anything that came up for Saturday or anything that involved helping other members or, or getting people interested in. My dad was very big with inviting, because um, we had a lot of interaction with non-Mormons. Okay. Um, mostly people who didn't know enough about Christianity and maybe were interested. Um, my dad hosted different people at our house probably every week. So he, wow. he yeah, he- Because of his military connections? Yes. yes. All right. So uh, that, that was a huge, huge mm. thing. And, and being an officer, um, he had a lot of influence and, and a lot of people looked up to him. My father was very uh, personable. He has kind of a personality people, I think, are drawn to. So uh, he actually converted a lot of people. Uh, I up. bet. I've talked to a lot of folks yes. who joined Mormonism when they were in the military. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he converted a lot, of, a lot of different people, baptized even some of them. Um, and from the age that I can remember back, we would literally read scripture every every single night but book of mormon very little biblical <laughs> okay the time, yeah. bible no no, no no we would read passages in the bible to support things that we were my dad or my brother who was ever leading our our uh, scripture study was trying to emphasize a point in the book of mormon to just prove its validity um from the young age i don't know if every mormon family is like this but you're you are taught that you're special because you were born a mormon so you were reserved. You're, you were one of the top spirit children in heaven because God not only put you in a Mormon family, but also in the last days. So you're, you would have a lot of weight and responsibility put on you from just a child. From the age you're a kid, you, you think you're, you're, you got to do all these big things in the Mormon church. And um, going on a mission was beaten to our heads from, from when I can remember. I mean, I don't I do not remember a time that I didn't promise my parents, make a promise that yes, I will go on a mission. Um, they even made us take an oath that uh, we wouldn't date any girls outside of the Mormon church. Because 
we didn't grow up around Mormons, so we were more, we had more access. Uh, and yeah. We, sure. Yeah. And, you grew up being in the military, because how, so how often did you move? Oh, geez, my dad, because he was an officer, honestly, every two years, maybe, wow. maybe every year, even. He had some assignments where it was just uh, education-based, so he would stay there for a year, and then we'd get relocated again, so we were moving consistently. So I've lived everywhere from Mannheim, Germany, to Alabama, to... Virginia to Colorado. I mean, we've literally been everywhere in the States. And your family stayed LDS through yes. all the exposure to the outside world. They absolutely um, did. And I had five brothers. And so my three brothers uh, in front of me all went on missions. So they all went, uh, one went to Korea, one went to Brazil, and my oldest brother went to Washington, D.C. Hmm. And um, each one, uh, prior to going on a mission, had really kind of put in their all into it and you kind of see that transition I would say about a year before they go on a mission spiritually okay. um, I hate to say this about my brothers I love them but it was almost like better than better than you type, type. <laughs> like, like they can walk Whoa. on water now you yeah know? Mm -hmm. especially when they came back from their mission oh man they were they were almost unbearable for a little bit I'm not trying to be mean it's just I'm, I'm just being completely honest um, yeah just because it, it, they were so ingrained in the Mormon culture, mm -hmm. if there was a PG, you know, show, they would have they would have to like vet it thoroughly before they'd even want to go watch it. So, well, within performance based religion, it's all about how well you do. It is, and so the better you perform, wow, the better you feel right. about yourself. Oh yeah, oh so. yeah, and and you you know, um, I don't know if people are aware, but you get a patriarchal blessing when you're very young. And it sets forth this high standard to reach because it's it's a list of things that you can achieve. And as a kid, you know, they tell you things like gift of healing, gift of, you know, like you're like, wow, I can be a superhero if I follow if I follow the Mormon church. It makes you believe this. You're going to have this great life. You're going to make lots of money and you're going to have whatever wife you want. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty much what they say in, in it. And you get that when you're like 11 or 12 years old. So you have seven years of thinking about that and thinking, what do I have to do in my life? Because they were very clear, I have to be a good Mormon to get this. Right. So what do I have to do to get here? And One of my son's patriarchal blessing told him he would stand on Mount Zion and those whom he had saved on his Mormon mission would call him Savior. And, and see, that's, that's exactly wow. what I'm talking about. That's, that's heady stuff. Yeah. And so you, your son had this high expectation of, well, I got to get to that level. Or my family knows what's in here and I don't want to disappoint them. And, and you feel a lot of guilt anytime you do something. I mean, you, if I drink a caffeinated drink, it might as well have been a beer because that's how the guilt I would put on myself after drinking a caffeinated soda. Um, and I think every family is a little different when it comes to comes to those type. Mine was as strict as it could be. Mm, we okay. we were fully ingrained. You are going to do it by the letter, by the law, especially with my dad being a military police officer. Well, and your family heritage, because there's yes. some really famous names associated with your family. Oh right? yeah, oh yeah. So and and it goes again. It goes all the way back. So they were both my mom and dad were living to an extremely high standard. They didn't even kiss until they were married. Well, not when they were dating, not when they were engaged, when they were married. So that's that's the level that they committed into going into right into the Mormon Church, and that's what they taught us, and and how we were brought up. And they're very traditional in the sense too that my mother never worked, so it was only my father who worked. 
My mom never did. But the military fits into that rule-bound oh, yes. mindset of the culture, right? Yes. And, and one of the things that, um, you know, I, I think is interesting um, because you have that 10% and you get interviewed about pain typing 10%. And it didn't matter how, you know, my dad had six kids. And in the military, it takes, you know, a decade to move from one rank to another. It does. It's, it's literally time-based. It's not performance-based. So there were times we were extremely poor, and my parents never missed paying that, no matter what it did to us financially or, or where we were going to suffer for the next month. Um, I, even in high school, even before high school, I, I got a job so I could help pay some of the bills because it was that tight in our family because there were, if we didn't pay tight, they didn't care what your excuse was. You know, you were going to lose your responsibilities, and my, both my parents had big responsibilities. My dad was a counselor to the bishop, and my mother was usually involved with the uh, stake presidency for the for the ladies. So yeah, so uh, they had temple recommends yes. that they had oh, to absolutely. keep, so, and that's going away if you don't pay time. Wow, really? Because yes. yeah, yes. I lost mine for the same for literally that reason. I oh. I uh, wanted something, and I missed one month out of the year, and I didn't lie to the bishop when I when I talked to him, and they pulled my temple recommend until I paid that paid that back and. So oh, I, I, I give up my whole mortgage picture. their homes yeah. and give the church property and all kinds of stuff to pay their tithing. Do you know there's actually a real estate arm of the Mormon church? And I know that because my oldest son, when he was looking for a fairly inexpensive place to live when he had his first job, bought real estate from the Mormon church. Wow, wow, I did not know that. That wow. is insane. And they said it was people who had given all kinds of things in tithing. Yeah. Real I estate mean, and tithing. So. It really is a, a religion that puts so much expectation on you. You never know if you've done enough. And I remember we would go all the time because we lived in poor areas where we're, you know, it was good stuff. We're, we're helping other Mormons we're, or people that were trying to convert. Um, and my dad would always say, well, if you're not doing this with your heart, you might as well not do it. And I was like, well, I probably should go home then because I don't know if my heart's in this. Because how do you, you know, you're forcing a 12-year-old to go hang shackles yeah. up and, and, and they're not going to be too enthusiastic about losing their Saturday right. doing that. Um, and, and Sunday, you don't do anything on Sunday. Yeah. So literally nothing. Um, Sundays were a full day of contemplation, reading, going to church and and studying because, I mean, we didn't, I think the only activity my parents allowed was walking in a park. You know, of course okay. you couldn't go to anybody's birthday party. You couldn't swim. You couldn't because Mormons believe what that Satan controls the water. So if you swim on a Sunday, I heard all these horror stories that I was going to drown and the devil was going to, was going to kill me because I knew not to do that. So, so I live in Fort Myers, Florida <laughs> and those poor missionaries can't swim. Yeah. It's like, Ever right? Yeah. It's mission. at the beach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let alone have contact. For that reason. So you, yeah. so your whole life then is in, in essence, this Mormon bubble. So yes. even though you're moving around, you're being exposed. In terms of your family, this is all you know. So well, and, and my parents kept our activity restricted to Mormons largely, except for athletics. Mm -hmm. right. So to it, keep you Mormon. Yes. So even I, I didn't have a lot of non-Mormon friends for that reason because I wasn't allowed to. Right. So what starts changing yeah. I when mean. i was 19 that <laughs> okay. was the change so i had done everything my brothers before me had done i actually went and got my mission interview and as he's telling me you know he's going to pass me and, and let me go the whole time i just felt sick to my stomach 
I just feel sick. Something was wrong. I can't explain it. Interesting. And I looked at him and I said, I can't do this. And he goes, you passed. What do you mean? I said, I can't do this. I said, I, and he goes, why are you nervous? Everybody? I said, no, I said, this doesn't feel right to me. I, I, something inside of me is telling me that I shouldn't go on this. And he's like, well, the Lord is telling me that you should go. And I said, well, if it's the Lord talking to me, he's telling me different from what he's telling you. And I said, I don't know what this is, but I can't go. And wow. breaking that news to my dad. Oh my gosh. That was probably one of the worst experiences I've, I've gone through with him. Um, because he was so convinced I'd done something wrong and he couldn't, he couldn't comprehend the fact that I just, I did not feel like I could go. And he was like, tell me what you did. Cause I was dating a girl who um, wasn't a Mormon and you know, I wasn't supposed to do that, but I was really good. I was, I lived 100% by the Mormon um, code of conduct and I did not do anything inappropriate with her and my dad I was being accused of doing things I'd never done mm. um, my best friend who was my age also went through and, and got confirmed to go on his mission I wasn't even allowed to go to his house and go see him anymore um, I was practically shunned uh, by the Mormons uh, community as a whole um, the parents didn't want their girls to go on a date with me the other ones who had children who were my age didn't want their sons to hang out with me. So I got a job in construction and that way I could travel and I didn't have to be anywhere around that. So for two years, I traveled around the country um, building gun ranges. And then my dad went to Iraq and my dad said, hey, why I'm in Iraq? He, he was stationed in Germany and my mom, all the all of us, the boys were, were moved out. He goes, your mom's only, do you mind going to stay with her? And I said, no. I'll go back. I'll, I'll go to Germany. I'll stay with mom. I'll keep her company. So, and it, and it was good for me. I didn't have to pay for you know rent. I could, I could, yep. I could, and I could go and find a job on base. And so I went back to Germany, and I was 21, and it was different. Suddenly, everybody was open to me again. So it was like I had passed that time frame where they could. So try the 19th and 21, you're supposed to do the mission. Once that time was passed, it was like, okay, yeah, well, fine, you yeah, didn't do it. Yeah, the mission talked to me. We sat down, <laughs> and he goes, hey, you know, you're super friendly. And I was pretty bitter. They had hardened me a lot toward, towards Mormons because also when I was 19, I didn't mention this, I lived in Utah for a bit because that's where the construction company was stationed. So in between jobs, I stayed at my grandparents' house. I thought you were going to say that's where the girls are. <laughs> well, no, the girls wouldn't date me. They would come up and talk to me and they were like, how old are you? And I'd go, 20. And they, they would oh, turn yeah. around. <laughs> they would, Not an RM, no, no smile. I went to a uh, singles um, ward at BYU because my, my uncle taught there and was the bishop at one of the wards there. And um, it really, I'm, I am not making this up. It got to the point where I would sit and everybody else would sit somewhere else because word got around. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to church anymore. Wow. So I left that, uh, I left Utah extremely angry. I had family, even cousins who were trying to talk to me. And when I guess they realized they couldn't convince me to go on a mission, then I wasn't allowed to, to visit them. And so then I started getting shunned by aunts and uncles. And now, now this is the only thing, right, that you're doing not in accordance. Is you're simply not going on a mission. You haven't like repudiated the I Book of Mormon. Smoke, you I didn't drink. I didn't have any type of sexual activity. I was still refraining from everything because wow. I still felt like that was right. I just was building a very hardened heart towards Mormon people. And then when I was 21, I go to Germany, and the bishops are really nice, and everybody's really cool. Everybody's all like, "Oh, they're treating me like I had been." before I was 19. Hmm. So it sucked me back into that culture again. 
So at the time I had a big beard. I shaved it off again because that's not really looked upon as, you know, right. Mormons, they, they like you to be clean shaven. I was wearing blue button down shirts. I went back to the white because they don't like that either. I don't like the red <laughs> collar. I actually, my dad actually uh, got really angry with me one time when he came to visit me when I was uh, 20 because I showed up to, shirt, to church without a tie. I still have the white shirt and everything. Oh my. And then my younger brother didn't wear a tie. And my dad just ripped my younger brother apart for that because he was he he wanted to look like me, so he's emulating me. Yeah. And so he, yeah. So and my, and I um they have extra ties in the bishop's office, so mm -hmm. they, the bishop tried to give me some clip-on tie. And again, I was bitter at that time, so I literally threw it back at the bishop, and I was like, I'm not going to wear that. And uh, it changed. Wow. So from 21 to 22. I was really trying to get back involved with the Mormon church. I, I was like, okay. It's like I, I had amnesia when it came to that because I wanted to be accepted again. You know, I right. wanted to be accepted by my family and the people, the people, not these people, but the people I grew up around because that's all I knew. And, and maybe your dad knew you'd get active again? Probably. And that, yeah. that could have been an underlining reason why he asked me to go. Uh, to Germany. It really could have. Um, and I, I think my parents were happy because I was going out with the missionaries every once in a while and um, I was paying tithing again and I even took on some responsibility in the church. I was the uh, secretary for the young men's priesthood um, and they were having me go out and recruit um, inactive members to come in. I, you know, at the time I was pretty forward and very nice and so I'd go show up, call up some maybe some young girl who hadn't gone to church in a couple of years. And I say, Hey, I'm Randy. Um, we miss you. We want to see you come back to church. And would you mind if I came pick you up and brought you to church? Well, that person probably didn't expect to see four other people just like them in my car when I went to go pick them up. <laughs> so I think there was like, Oh, wow. I just picked up four other people. He's a bus driver. Yeah, pretty inactive. I was, <laughs> um, and I was pretty active up until, I then worked on a military base as a, uh, they had taken all the military police jobs and moved them to civilian jobs. So I was doing that. I was got the gun, mm -hmm. the handcuffs that you'd come see at the gate. And I was dating some Mormon girls at the time. It just wasn't working out for whatever reason. It just was not working. Mm -hmm. So it was weird as a non, uh, you know, cause I always believed in prayer, even as a Mormon, I did. I believed in prayer. So I sat down in my little guard booth and I said, God, because, you know, you have an expectation to get married young and everything. And I said, mm -hmm. I don't know who is supposed to be for me, but you do. You know my life. I don't. Just bring whoever I'm supposed to be with into my life. Because I was dating people who presented themselves to have a moral, a certain moral compass, and they didn't or something like that. And that same night, this young lady over here drove <laughs> right through my, my, my check post. And before <laughs> I even saw her, I had a feeling that was the person. It was the weirdest feeling. Mm -hmm. It's like it was undeniable. I didn't know if it was even a, guy, a girl driving the car, but I'm like, <laughs> who's ever in there? That's supposed to be the person. And she drives up and we just had this window to connect for like 15 minutes, which was unheard of. We always had cars coming through constantly. And nothing came for 15 minutes, and I got enough information to figure out kind of where she lived. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to be unprofessional and ask her out on a on a date as a while I'm on duty. So, for for like a good two weeks in the snow, I ran out out around her her complex till finally I caught her outside one time. <laughs> and sometimes it was five times in the in the same day. And I said, hey, and I'm I'm just like beat red because I'm I, I'm it's it's cold, it's snowing, and 
I probably ran seven miles. And I'm like, hey, uh, you're that you're that girl who came through that I talked to the other day. And she was like, yeah. And we ended up chatting again in the cold for about two hours. And I said, there's something about this person. I need to get to know her. I need to get, I need to, I need to take her out. And um, I took her on our, our first date. And Marsha was, was a Christian. She was the first Christian I've ever dated. And it was something unique about her, about her personality that drew me into her. And I know this is going to sound corny because I made fun of people who've said this in the past, but I knew I was going to marry her. Mm. I knew I was going to marry her. Mm. But the problem was she wasn't a Mormon. So a couple months after dating, we were getting very close, and I, because we were seeing each other every day, I said, hey, I, I can't be with you unless you're a Mormon. I can't. And I was playing the hard to think, and she, Marsha being a Christian, she goes, I'm not going to. I'm not going to change my religion. I, I believe God. And she goes, I wouldn't even do it for you. And I was bluffing. So right away, you know, we were crying. I was like, I'm not, I lied. Forget what I said. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I was like, I'm so sorry. And I apologized. And I said, just forget I said anything. And we got married like a month after that. Wow. Yeah. And um, <laughs> a year after we were married, my dad is the reason why that, that sparked me leaving the Mormon church. My dad, he goes up oh. to my wife because he's a Mormon and he's believing what Mormons believe. And he goes to Marsh and he goes, you know, without me being around and he goes, we love you. And you know, she doesn't believe me, but she's my dad's favorite. And he goes, we love you. And we want to see you go to heaven with us. And if you're not a Mormon, you're not going to go to heaven. And that bothered me. I thought about that. And I said, man, my wife is a lot better than me. I'm not, I'm, I'm nothing. So if she can't go to heaven, why am I going to heaven? Mm. And so I said, you know what? Wow. For the first time, I'm going to look non-subjectively at the Mormon church and its teachings, and I'm going to prove it's correct. But, but I'm going to also accept if I find the opposite to be true, that I'm going to accept that as well. So I get very analytical when I decide to do something. Yeah. I dive deep into the subject matter of, of what I decide to, to study. And in about six weeks, I told my wife, uh, Mormon church isn't true. There's no way. I said from a... Were you looking on the internet? Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. I was going to Christian websites. I was going to people who were atheists. I mean, I went everywhere to look. I didn't want there to be anything I didn't look at. Yeah. Because I wanted to turn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't prove it from a historical standpoint. You know, I was finding... That's the first time I was finding out that you could prove a lot of the Bible stories uh, biblically through manuscripts and, and they had on earth and even towns and cities and you had nothing like that in the Mormon church so yeah. even animals that they that was you know that were around in the Mormon church didn't come here till centuries after after mm -hmm. that supposedly in the took book place. Of Mormon, yeah. right mm -hmm. so I, I so just from a logical standpoint I couldn't accept it and then when I found all the differences between the Book of Mormon and the Bible I said they're so different one of these has to be wrong. And I said, just because off fact, there's no way I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the Book of Mormon. But the problem was, is then I was just like, you know what? I don't know what to believe. So right. yeah. I, I then for about two years teetered on wanting, wanting to find out if, if God existed and not wanting to. Kind of just like, you know what? I'm just going to now, who cares? I can do whatever I want, even though I wasn't. But that was my mindset. I said, mm -hmm. if I want to, if I want to go smoke and do whatever I want, I can do it. And then I was like, but I, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but, but, I was like, but I could. But I you're could. in charge of your life now, right? Right. right. Instead of all so those rules. I, I was very angry at first, and then I would say it was. I remember the day perfectly. I was not in a bad place physically, spiritually. I was destroyed, and 
I just sat down and I prayed for honestly what felt like 30 minutes and it was four and a half hours in my house. Oh. I was just praying about everything and I said, God, I, I know that you're there. If you're there, you need to lead me to where you are. And for three weeks, my wife and I bounced from, because then I was interested into going back to church and looking for a church. And we found a couple churches here, but it reminded me too much of Mormonism. And I said, I can't, you know, one pastor took 45 minutes before he even opened the Bible and started talking about Jesus. Oh, and yeah. the first 30 minutes was talking about donations and giving. And I'm like, <laughs> I know that church. <laughs> so, yeah. so we were yeah, literally <laughs> driving down a street and there's this guy in the sign that says Calvary Church here, but it was at a community center. And there's this really friendly looking guy out front. And I said, I looked at my wife, I was like, let's go there. I don't know why, but that guy looks friendly. I want to go check out that church. So we parked our car, we went in there and they start playing the band, you know, that, that most Christian non-denomination. And I'm not used to that as a Mormon. So I looked at my wife, I was like, we're not coming back. This is, I, I can't, you know, no rock and roll. My dad, my dad taught me, uh, if there's a guitar, the devil's right where the guitar is, so. You <laughs> wow. Yes, believe it or not. Um, and then the pastor got up and spoke and his, his, sermon that week felt like it was directed exactly to what I was going through and what I was experiencing spiritually and that was the one of the first first probably say the second or third time in my life but never that strong I felt I felt God and and after that I said we got to come back so and that's where we have to stop you because because we're so but you'll do a part two right Randy because it's like we're only part way through this story this is fascinating um, but we're kind of like yeah, at the end sure. of the podcast. So, okay. So yes. if you want to do a part two, yes, we're going to say thank you for being with us on the Unveiling Christ awesome. podcast. Yeah. Um, thank you. Those that are listening. Uh, and so, Hey, catch us next time for part two of Randy's Randy. story. And yeah, grace and peace until next time. So long. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilder's book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.